Hi. Good morning. How are you? Very well. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Excellent. You're, you're always looking very chipper this early in the morning. <laughs> that's that's my high point <laughs> early in the morning. <laughs> very good. Excellent. Um, how, how are things? How are reviewing the film world and everything else? Yeah, it's been a busy week because it's it's the Venice Film Festival next week. So and the week after. So this week, there's in London, there's a few screenings in advance of a few titles that are playing there. So that means rushing around and seeing a lot of things, which is obviously a, a nice position to be in a nice privilege. But um, yeah, I'm excited for what's coming up. I mean, things I haven't seen yet, like Ferrari, the Michael Mann film and The Killer by David Fincher. I mean, these are these are movies we're going to be talking about in the in the coming months. So very right. excited to see those in the next uh, well week or so. Good, good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good How about stuff. you? What What have you been watching? <laughs> uh, I uh, saw, uh, well, obviously Gran Turismo, uh, Disney's uh, Wish. They had a twenty minute uh, footage presentation with one of the directors and producers. Um, which I'm not allowed to talk about until the embargo is lifted. And uh, also next week, which oh, just an odd timing. It's funny, you and I were talking about The Creator uh, by Gareth Edwards. They're doing a, a footage presentation with a director who's going to be, Gareth Edwards is going to be in LA. And it's going to be virtually connected to like eight different cities around North America, including Toronto. And I just happened to be in Copenhagen that week. Um, so I was really looking forward to it, but somebody is going to go from, uh, from, uh, from the office, but I was just dying for, you know, I'm really looking for, it's probably the movie that I'm looking forward to the most this year. Um, I, a huge... As you know, I've done the making of book of it, so I'm extremely excited to see it. Yeah. So we should probably talk about that one when, we, when we're allowed, when we've both seen it, uh, you know, well, I suppose in a month or so, I think someone told me it's premiering at fantastic fest in austin i'm not sure how accurate that information is i haven't looked that up but that seems like a great place i think gareth's film monsters was there you know this is well whatever 12 13 years ago now so yeah it's good that he's going back there and i guess in a way he's sort of he's going to have to go out there on his own and support it because of the sag after strike that's happening at the moment so it's it's all going to be gareth focused but i feel that's quite appropriate in a strange way because this this new film is really his baby and it's been his baby yeah. for, for a very long time so he needs to be front and center in the promotional campaign i think i i agree because after monsters he did rogue one and godzilla which was not really his thing like it's a franchise property right it, and this is something again and i think i didn't realize this i mean i thought i was only one of the few the way now disney has started the marketing I mean, they have Gareth Edwards' names everywhere, as if it's like Scorsese's Spearbook. Nothing, nothing to take away from that. That's awesome. I guess he has a very strong fan base, and I think that's why we're, which we have heard, and if it's correct, um, in Austin, the film festival, it's more of a fandom thing, right? So people, and there's a sci-fi element. And I was watching his uh, featurette. Uh, it's so funny when I watched the trailer; it didn't register. But when he said him, like, of course, he said it's a mix between all the sci-fi films that I've grown up and Vietnam War films I've grown up. And that's literally what it looks like. You know, if 
uh, rebellion and all that stuff. So it would be interesting. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited. Yeah, I think the uh, I think you're right. I think particularly Rogue One that it, that was the film that gained him this incredible fandom. I mean, he, I think he had fandom because of monsters and and Godzilla, mm-hmm. but obviously Rogue One being a Star Wars film and and one of the best of them, one of the best of the post it is. original it is. trilogy, let's say, and obviously it's very much related to that original trilogy. That that really put him in in, a, in another league, and as you say, fans love him, and and you know we can talk about this more if we come back and talk about the creator. But the idea of an original film, original IP that's come entirely out of his brain is it, it shouldn't be rare, but it really is these days. So I think you know I'm 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 glad to hear that you're saying there's a fanfare, let's say, from Disney in, in America, in North America, because. Because that needs to be happening right now, especially as you probably heard today, June two has moved into, yeah, into yeah. next year, which is no surprise, really, in the end. But you know, I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they they hold tight for the creator and it stays for for late September. And I think perhaps because, as we were saying, it isn't such a star driven vehicle. Although you do have the great John David Washington in the lead, it is a Gareth film, and he can still go out there and promote it even with the strike happening. Hopefully, they will stick with it and. You know, there'd be nothing else around it like that in in late September, the autumn time, in the in the fall. So, yeah, I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed it will just go ballistic, mainly for myself, obviously, and that the book then becomes a smash hit. But uh, no, I'm I'm hoping <laughs> I'm I'm hoping for Gareth's sake because he's put a lot of work into this movie, a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, no, really excited and looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I just sort of talking about the reason we're here. Um, Gran Turismo, uh, the film by uh, Neil, who's done District 9, Elysium, um, a bunch of other stuff. What is it called? Chappie. And, you know, I I honestly, as much as I knew about, I didn't know about the story until I saw the trailer. And even the trailer, it didn't really hook me. It was not one of those films that I was like, oh, I got to go see, like, you know, Mission Impossible or or um, Indiana Jones or the creator. Uh, but I was completely overtaken by it. But before I get into the details, I'd love to know what you thought of it. Well, I actually did cover this film. They they had a sort of press junket in Cannes. Obviously, the film wasn't connected to Cannes in any way, but they sometimes do that. You know, they bring in yeah. upcoming films just to sort of because they know that the journalists are, are all there. And so I spoke to Neil then and also Orlando Bloom, and later on, David Harbour. So I was kind of pumped to see it. And I've never played the... I You know, I do play quite a few video games, or have done over the years. Gran Turismo, which in the film, they keep reminding us is a racing simulator, not a game, which is true. Yeah. It, it is a racing simulator, and I believe one of the best ones. But it's not really a game I know, as a, or a simulator I know. I've, I've never been particularly good at those games, so I've ne- I've kind of avoided it. But I was fascinated by the idea of, you know, this young, you know, the, as the, as the tagline goes, from gamer to racer. So, you know, Jan Mardenborough, who's is from Wales, you know, who's a who was a who was a, a Gran Turismo, you know, obsessive player. But to be able and then and then this this Gran Turismo or GT Academy is formed, you know, this is all a true story, of course, and and it's you know to try and seek out these, um, to seek out the these kids who are who are great on the game and whether they can translate those skills onto the track i mean that's a completely insane and mad idea and i love that as an idea that that a, that a 
a gamer could become a racer. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd crash in about two seconds if that was me on the real tracks. And I've, I've actually gone on one of those sorts of tracks in the past. I think it was for, a, uh, I don't know if it was a James Bond pre uh, promo thing, but they took us onto some kind of racing track in, in Britain. I think it was either Silverstone or Brands Hatch. And, you know, you go behind those cars and you suddenly realize the speeds that you're doing or they're doing, and you're nowhere near the speeds that they're doing. And you realize how difficult that is. So to trans translate those skills from a sitting in your armchair playing a video game to, you know, you know, doing it for real is is crazy. So I, lo I love that idea as a story. Um, I'm not sure I love the film, if I'm being honest. Um mm -hmm. I th what I did like was uh, David Harbour. I thought he brought some real uh, grit and authenticity to his role of Jack. Uh, well, it, it looks like it's pronounced, it looks like it should be pronounced Slater, but I think it's, is it Slater? Uh, they say in the movie Slater. Uh, yeah, I don't know okay. what the right pronunciation is. We'll go with Slater. Um, yeah. And he's this kind of ex-racing driver turned trainer who becomes a mentor to to the yan character um and he, yeah i thought he was really good i thought you know he was quite cynical and salty and i enjoyed his performance a lot um i, I probably less so orlando bloom i have to say whose character um uh is based on darren cox who's the guy that formed this this gt academy mm -hmm. And I don't know, I just thought he was slightly miscast, if I'm being honest. Um, I think from a Blumkamp point of view, it was an interesting one, because all those films you mentioned, District 9 and um, Chappie and so on, you know, he's well known for these kind of really, a bit like Gareth, Gareth Edwards, known for these kind of interesting, unique sci-fis. And this is kind of out of his wheelhouse, really, a sort of, uh, you know, a, a, a true life, I suppose under good feel good sort of uh, or underdog feel good story really. That's that's an unusual one for him. Uh, and he, as when he as he told me in um, in Cannes, he's he's got quite an interesting connection to video games because he's also part of a video game company and they're developing a video game at the moment, mm. which he he's been sort of directing. He's I suppose you'd call him the creative director on it. I think that's due out next year. Um, so he's he's you could say he's very much embroiled in the mechanics of video games, which is, is interesting. And I think what what worked I thought worked quite well here were moments where you might see um, uh, Yan on the track, and then you'd see you know with the sort of CG effects the kind of car built around him. You know when he, or when he's playing the video game, and you'd see the car mm -hmm. built around him as a sort of a shell. I thought that was very clever. That that conveyed what it's like to play the game and then bring it to the bring it to the to the real racetracks. Um but I sort of thought the well the as I mentioned, the sort of underdog feel good story was very, very corny, basically. Um I mean the his family played by uh, his mother played by Jerry Halliwell, ex Spice Girls uh star, uh, and then Jaiman Huntsu. I could never ever have envisaged those two being in a scene as a family, but there you go. Um, I th I thought they were given very little to work with as a as a sort of emotional backbone to the film. Um, 
I mean, you know, I think it's for for teenagers. I think it works. I, I was probably looking for something a bit more in depth because of Neil's previous movies. Um, I don't know how well the film's done. Maybe you know, has it has it uh, done okay in the states so far? I don't think it's opened uh, officially until tomorrow, right? But interestingly, uh, it was on Rotten Tomatoes last night, and the critic score was sixty percent. But lo and behold, the audience score is ninety nine percent. Wow. Well, that that shows you it's not really a critics movie. Yeah. I mean, sixty percent isn't a terrible score by any stretch. No, it's of not. It, it it's not. And I think so. See, the thing is, for me, a couple of things you mentioned, I wholeheartedly agree, agree with. Even my son, who is thirteen, he he went to the screening with me, and he was like, uh, "So I don't I." I, I don't know the Spice Girls uh, names and all that, but the, the 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 mother, he goes to me. I I didn't really like her acting. It was just really really terrible. I mean, a thirteen year old noticed that, and I picked on picked up on that too. And same thing with Orlando Bloom. I think Orlando Bloom, acting was, I don't know if his acting was bad or his character was very commercial driven, and there was no backstory to it. I couldn't figure that out. It was he was just about marketing, marketing, which is fine. I mean, it is someone's job. Like they showed um, uh, Slater's backstory, you know, just even a little bit of it. And same thing with uh, the mom. And like, they, I literally it was so funny. There was a, for the longest time, you don't see hear, see his parents in the film, like after he leaves. And I'm thinking about it. And all of a sudden they come into the scene because and the, the parents and certain other characters, they don't meet uh, at all, which I thought was weird. But at the same time, one of the things that I look, it, it wasn't a masterpiece, but I went in with absolutely no expectations. I, I'm not a gamer. I, if I do play games, I do like racing car games, like I've always have, um, and never played Gran Turismo. But I find I found that it was just one of those films, and maybe that's why the audience score is so high. Everything is all about IPs, which this is too, but it's more about, you know, uh, adventures and action. And uh, one of the reasons Barbie worked along with many other reasons is that it was a very different film visually. And it was something that people hadn't seen before or hadn't seen in a long time. I mean, there hasn't been anything like Barbie before. And I think with Gran Turismo, it kind of went back to the way films like Mighty Ducks um you know uh there were so many of them like that that came like the underdog story well there's one that uh david harbour mentioned that he was a big fan of from the 80s called hoosiers uh with gene hackman he said this this script reminded him of that which is one of the reasons why he wanted to do it so again that was a sort of sports drama it's not not a film i know particularly well but I, I, i think that's what they were you're right that's what they were aiming for here is that sort of sports triumph moment and it's got that there i mean there's one moment which i don't want to spoil so i won't but it comes about you'll you'll know what i'm talking about but it comes about two-thirds of the way through the film quite a wow kind of moment uh on the track i'm sure you know which bit i'm talking about Mm -hmm. and um that was really good i mean there were moments like that of high drama let's say that I, i i kind of enjoyed i think it was more the character development like we were saying around the parents, for example, like you pointed out, they don't really meet a bunch of the other characters. They're they're in complete isolation from the rest of the story. They're kind of watching on television most of the time as the action unfolds. 
Um, yeah, it, I, I felt like the, the script could have done with another pass, if you know what I mean, and 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 to work on those characters. Uh, you know, it, it felt like Harbour. Maybe he did it himself, but he really brought something to that character. Yeah. But everyone, everyone else, are kind of, I don't know, didn't really have a lot to work with. And you know, as I said, I thought Bloom was kind of miscast. Um, he tried to be the oily executive, and I guess he was that. But there wasn't, much, like you said, there wasn't much more to him than marketing, marketing, marketing. I've seen a lot of critics say this film, and I don't quite agree with this, but they say this film's a two-hour advert for Gran Turismo. And of yeah. course, that it is. You could say Barbie's a two-hour advert for buying Barbie dolls on some level. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot more going on in Barbie than there is in Gran Turismo. But I don't know if this would make me rush out and buy a Gran Turismo game based on what I'd seen. It might, because there are some cool bits that you see in the game. But I think the problem is now, this year has been a fascinating year for video game adaptations because you've had, well, on television, The Last of Us, which is one of the great, well, it's certainly the great video game adaptation. Uh, it's one of the great, the great video games as well. And then you've had, you know, Sonic as well, um, which is, you know, I think maybe is just about to be overtaken by Barbie as the biggest hit of the year. But that was a, you know, quite a warm and affectionate take on on that whole franchise. And Gran Turismo plays it a bit more straight arrow, basically. It's fairly kind of conventional. But even then, you can't really adapt a racing car game for a movie, so or simulator. So they they've they have found a human story and a true story at that. And that is an interesting story. The fact that, you know, he he does become this this kind of he does go from being a gamer to a racer. And I love that idea as a story. I just felt it needed more work on the script. Right. And, you know, I, I, I've, I just, look, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I think when I saw it, it was funny because normally when I'm like, when I'm watching it, I'm being very critical about this and that. And I was, but there, and I think everybody is different in terms of what may be something that is relevant to them. I mean, you don't have to be a sports car driver or gamer to sort of, feel the certain emotions that are in this film. Like there is a really good scene between father and son, um, you know, a couple of them uh, that come very quickly and go away very quickly. And for me, the two things that stood out the most was one of the scenes that comes in two thirds of the movie. And I mean, I wasn't even expecting that. And, you know, that, that action takes place. And the other one was in the gym when uh, Slater comes and talks to Jan and, you hear as the camera is like sort of pulling away from uh, Slater's character, you hear Jan in the background and Slater gives a smile. Like those, there were little key moments in there that were, that remained with me. And I, 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 I just feel it's one of those films minus the game, minus the true story. It's just that feel good moment kind of thing, which I think that's probably why it's 99%. I, I'm, I'm guessing uh, because people are pre probably craving for that. And it's funny, I think now with Barbie's success and Last of Us, and I I'm pretty sure this movie is going to be quite successful box office-wise. I don't know about domestically, but internationally for sure. It's going to start a new trend that superheroes movie did. I think we're going to see a lot of toy IP movies and video games movies. And I think that's the next big wave that is that is coming. Because... 
Barbie was super successful. As you said, Sonic, which I haven't seen, was super successful. Last of Us has been great. It remains to be seen with this one. But I, I think it's going to start a new trend now with all these um, video games and uh, toy lines turning into films. Yeah, that is quite possible. I mean, I think the, the difference is something like The Last of Us has, the game itself has an incredible narrative. So they already started on a, on a, on a sure footing with a film like that or with a story yeah. like that. Uh, and, and you know, and, and then, okay, the, the, the Lego movie is a slightly different example. That's obviously not a video, although there have been plenty of Lego video games. But, you know, that those films work because of the kind of irreverent humour that Lord and Miller the sort of creators of those films put put into their works and, and sonic had some of that kind of uh of humor as well i found it a little tiresome by the end although i have to say the the press screening i went to of, of sonic which was an evening screening i have never seen so many excited teenage kids you know <laughs> on, i mean see i've been to lots of those screenings and the hype around it in their eyes. It was quite, it was quite, you know, heartwarming to see that it was something they were super excited about because I guess it plugs right into their world. It's probably what they all talk about at school or they all play. And and I think that that did a good job of plugging into their world and what they want. And maybe Gran Turismo will as well. Um, it's not a sophisticated film, you could say, from its, no. it, it's a, it's a, fairly basic narrative i'm surprised that you, an interesting point that um blumkamp made was that so this was may uh of this year when i met him and he'd been on the film entirely for only a year like he, he signed on in something like may 2022 really yeah and then they were shooting a month late or in pre-production i think it was in budapest they, they did it in, in hungary and yeah so he was brought in um, I think there was another director attached quite a while before and obviously yeah, yeah. In, in the way these films go, but he was not on it for very long. So, you know, and I think he quite liked that, that sort of, because it must be pretty deflating for a filmmaker to be on something for years and years. It takes years. And I know that's fairly common in, in film terms, but, you know, to have the opposite experience where you're, you're in and then you're in, do you, to excuse the pun, but you're in the driver's seat all of a sudden and then you're off to the races and um yeah so he probably enjoyed that i think um that he could just get in and get and get going and um yeah because you know he had the uh i mean the film that i dearly wish he'd made as i'm sure he dearly wishes he made was the alien with uh film with sigourney weaver that they had a they had a plan to do and i've spoken to Weaver a couple of times recently and although she wouldn't really divulge any details she was desperate to see that version of Blumkamp's you know well Blumkamp's take on on the Alien franchise with her back as Ripley I mean that would have been incredible so you know he's had his moments where things have, have not happened and they've probably gone into development hell or as they call it so yeah to, to get a film like Gran Turismo off and running and, and out in the cinemas practically over a year later for him at least you know, is 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 incredible for him, but yeah, it, it to me it didn't feel like a Blumkamp movie, but I suppose that's because we we know him for those those sci-fi films, really. Yeah, and I and and you're right about it didn't feel like a Blumkamp movie, but at the same time there was I'm going to speak about two things back and forth and interconnected. It, it had that feel of a very like a docu style, like some of the way 
some of the shots, the way he did them, uh, you know, handheld and uh, shallow depth of field and all that stuff. There was certain element to it. And, and when I was watching the film, I mean, there's so many scenes and I'm like, and, and I, I had my doubts. And now that fact that you mentioned that it took him a year to do this entire film from start to finish, I'm willing to bet you about more than 50 to 60%, maybe even more footage of all the racing stuff is actually from the real events and they intercut it with a lot of their own. I think that's why if you really, I, I, I didn't hit me until like closer to the, the final race. There's a lot of stuff because the way the sports, uh, uh, the racing cars are captured on camera for the last 20 years. They're really like, you know, you have like dozens, if not hundreds of cameras at these, at these events. And the way they're captured, they're captured quite professionally. And I feel either it was from the last two years or last year of the events that they had and they just, you know, combined them together. Because to pull off that, all those scenes and all those races that they had in a year, including pre-production and then post-production, is impossible. So I'm quite certain he used a lot of, they got rights to use it, a lot of the actual footage from all these races and they just intercut them with, with their own. Mm. You you have just reminded me of a point that I did quite enjoy in, in the film. Uh, there's not been too many motor racing movies that you can name, certainly not recently anyway. I mean, there were, I think there's ones with, uh, is it like Steve McQueen and so forth back, back, in, back in the 70s. But to see a modern day motor racing crew you know, you get scenes of the cars pulling into the into the pits yeah. and doing all that stuff. I, I'm not a huge motor racing fan, but it, it was interesting to see that, let's say, behind the scenes element of, of the motor racing universe and the fact that they're bouncing between all these different locations all over the world. I don't know if they actually shot in all of these places, but, it, you know, it gives it it has a global feel to it, the film, which, again, will probably appeal to audiences around the world. Um, I think there's a at one point when he's got to qualify for his license, they go to Dubai, I think, the United mm -hmm. Arab Emirates. And, you know, so you see the, the racetracks there. And, you know, so it gave a good sense of, and I'm assuming this is accurate because I don't know enough about the motor racing universe to say that how, how close it is to the real thing. But it gave that feel of what it's like to be a race driver. And one minute you're in Dubai, the next minute you're in, you know, Silverstone in the UK or wherever it might be. And yeah, I like that aspect of it. Um, I felt like all the elements were there for Gran Turismo to be really interesting. Um, or, you know, it just didn't quite gel for me. And again, it comes down to character more than anything. I, I, I wish they brought another writer in just to give it one more pass, one more polish. But, you know, hey. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I was just looking at the box office number. So originally the film was supposed to come out on August 9th. Um, yeah, it's it, it's, it, it's come out in the UK. It came out in the UK on that yeah. on that day. It was supposed to come here the same week or same like a day or two apart. Uh it's already made 22 million internationally, but then it got pushed. I think very much so in early July from August 10th to August 25th here in North America, which is a really rare thing for a film to be pushed that, you know, normally you do you play with release dates like maybe a year, if not six months in advance. But to be able to push that film, I wonder, 
I wonder if they saw the upcoming success of Barbie Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible and they decided to, you know, take it to the late summer before it, unless it gets tarnished by it. Or I wonder maybe they, they got like the audience score again, not critics, but the audience score. Maybe they got such great buzz from it that they're like, OK, you know what? We need more room for the movie to stretch out early into fall once the schools open up so That's kids a... can start talk, talking about it. Yeah, it's a very good point. Um, I think you're right about the. Uh, it's difficult to know with with uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie because it, now you say that that makes complete sense because frank, frankly, those two films are cannibalizing all of yeah. the screens at the moment. So you're right to open a new film against those was probably a bad idea. So that if they did did it for that reason, it was very smart. Usually, August isn't a great month to release blockbusters, or you get the you know, it's the schools are beginning to go back or yeah. they're about to go back. And, uh, you know, you, all the big ones are, you know, June, well, May, June, July, basically. So, uh, and, you know, we've we've just had, I think you've just had out in the States as well, Blue Beetle, which has done okay. Um, so now probably post Blue Beetle, it, it, it does give, you know, family audiences something to go and see because there won't be a lot else around in the autumn in the fall but um yeah i don't know it's an interesting point i mean maybe that it's a technique that will work it's a it's a strategy that will work um we'll we'll have to see but um yeah i don't know with with obviously the kind of things beginning to shift around because of the strike then it's it's perhaps good that there is something it, you know it might benefit from that that, that that there won't be too much else around like a film like gran turismo so it may well work from that point of view what I, what I don't know is whether the the people behind the game whether they're joining in and kind of if, if they've got new games coming out or anything like that is there some kind of cross promotion going on i mean for them it's just a fantastic it is as much as uh i might not agree with it what some of the critics comments it is a it is a fantastic advert for the game um you know yeah you're right actually i just googled this gran turismo 8 will be coming soon in 2023 and we'll provide a new breakthrough for car racing games. Yeah, so there is the last one came out in 2021. Maybe that's why they had Neil had to go completely ballistic on it and have it ready for this time so that it gives them enough ample amount of time to start advertising for the game as well. I mean, it's all marketing and I I mean it's it's literally like a product tie-in like anybody everybody does that anyways, right? So yeah. it's it's not it's not a big deal, but I think I think it it will serve. It, it, it will probably get new. I mean, I I won't lie. Like I'm, I I, I saw the movie in the simulation, and I'm kind of like I want to play it, right? And it, but it's it's only a PlayStation game, so you can't play that on Xbox or Nintendo. Um, it's only exclusive to Sony PlayStation. But yeah, that 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 probably will be the reason. At, you know, at, at least the film it is kind of. It does wear on its sleeve the fact that it is a blatant marketing. You know, the the, the whole the whole concept is about marketing because the GT Academy has been formed, you know, as a promotion for Nissan, isn't it? I think which yeah, we haven't mentioned, yeah. but so you know, it is a marketing ruse. The whole the whole point of it. Um, it's just whether you want to sit there and be sold 
the idea of a game for two hours. You know, I, I, I'll be honest, I looked at it too. I have a PlayStation and I thought, yeah, I'm terrible at those games, but I wouldn't mind having a go at it. It does look very cool if you like that kind of thing. That you know, all those kind of modifications that they do. I think I'd rather play Grand Theft Auto than Gran Turismo, but <laughs> but you know, it, it one thing that I just remembered uh when the film and I'm gonna give this away because it literally happened in the first five minutes. I was completely surprised by you see Orlando Bloom's character uh making a pitch you know, um, to the uh, Nissan team and he, he leaves and I'm, and then I'm like, okay, the guy is probably going to go and pitch other places or he's going to get fired or he's going to quit. And then he's going to join Jan's character. But then all of a sudden the the executives came and they said, you know, we'll work with you. I I just thought that, I don't know if it was cut. I don't know. it, It just felt like so easy or if it actually happened that way, which is really, really rare because, it, you know, senior management doesn't really agree on things like that that quickly unless you prove, you know, data to them and numbers to them. But I that bothered me. That thing in the very beginning really bothered me. I'm like, that was easy. That was such a piece of cake. Yeah, I remember one of the things that really bothered me were, again, I keep coming back to character, so forgive me for that, but no, no, all, okay. all, all of the sort of, other drivers that that Jan is sort of competing with, and then he's also got this girlfriend that he's met at home, uh, and she kind of comes along for the ride, so to speak. And they were all so sort of one dimensional characters. You have the kind of, I think there's a kind of cocky. I think he's American. Uh, one that he's kind of the main rival. Yeah, that racer. is like yeah. Yeah, there, there was a lot of that sort of thing where everyone is painted in very broad strokes. Like the girlfriend is basically there just to sort of, you know, she, she had no agency as a character. She's just whisked along for the ride and she's there to sort of support his dream um, and tell him how amazing he is. But yeah, it, it, there was a lot of that that I, I would have happily had removed out of the film, basically. Um, you know, I, I again, I, I, I dug the relationship between... Jan and, and and Jack, the David Harbour character, that for me was where I got my sustenance basically through yeah. the film. Uh, I mean, David Harbour's a great, great actor, and he, you know, he he could clearly turn even one-dimensional, you know, portraits into something that's worth watching. So, yeah, you know, more David Harbour in Stranger Things season five. That's what I'm after. <laughs> I think, I think, I think the focus, and I'm sure Neil and the 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 crew and the studio knew this. But I think all the rest of the characters that were in there were more formulaic based, like, you know, a father who doesn't believe in his son, a girlfriend just for the heck of it, just to bring in the, you know, female audience. And but the primary focus from the beginning till end, even Orlando Bloom was kind of like just popping in here and there was David Harbour's characters later and Jan. Like, I think that was and I, they they obviously fo- and I, if anything that saves the film, um, it's them, uh, their their relationship and their chemistry and their story together. Uh, obviously, with all the, you know, the the engines running off and the intense drama and all that, I think that will that will serve the film. I don't think the film is going to make a killer opening at the box office, but I do think if the Rotten Tomatoes thing is going to be holding on, it's going to have long legs like. Uh, What's that movie that with Jim Kazik? Uh, Jim, oh, uh, Sound of Freedom, you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. 
that that did the same thing. Like it just made almost like it almost beat out Mission Impossible one weekend. I so still I haven't think, seen that. Have you seen that? I haven't. Yeah. I, yeah. I I I'm, I would love to. I would mm. love to. Like I'm a huge fan of his. Um, I know there's a lot of media controversy about that. With but for me, what's interesting is again that movie on Rotten Tomatoes audience review is hundred percent. It's literally like around that same realm. So, you know, critics are great. I mean, you, you're one. I'm semi. I'm not really a critic, but I, you know, I, I do talk about films. But at the same time, it's all about the audience because that's what filmmakers make the films for. And if they tap into it, then for them, nothing else matters. Yeah. Well, no, absolutely. A film like Gran Turismo suddenly makes you realize if it does really well at the box office it makes you realize how unnecessary you are in the ecosystem because whatever you say won't really make a huge difference when a ton of people go and see it. And, you know, honestly, I hope they do. Um, you know, uh, I, I do have a soft spot for Neil. I mean, oddly, I should let you let you know there's an interesting, I suppose, connection between Neil and, and Gareth Edwards, uh, as we were sort of talking about earlier, because... A lot of Gareth's work on the creator came through Weta. Uh, I think also back on Godzilla, he worked with Weta. And of course, District 9, uh, you know, Neil's first film was a huge Weta production. So these guys are kind of, you know, they might be from different parts of the world, but they, they I, I see them as quite similar in a way. And, um, you know, the kind of original ideas they come out with. So, I, you know, I hope it does well for him because, I mean, that could mean he then goes on and does something, you know, really interesting and original next yeah i mean that's sometimes that's why a lot of directors and uh filmmakers make the things that they uh establish brands just because if it it gives them a leverage or it gives them a back-end deal that okay if i do this then you're gonna do this for me type of thing so i think i think sometimes that's a good thing and i i i really love neil's work especially District 9, when it came out, it was like a unique film. Even uh, Elysium was really well done. Um, and, you know, same thing with Gareth. So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny when you were talking about both of them working on Weta, uh, with, with, with Weta. It's kind of like reminds me of, you know, in the days of 70s and 80s when people like Spielberg, Lucas worked with ILM. And and so it's it's a new era. And I'm really, I'm really excited, looking forward to all these incredible films new filmmakers and you know different 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 uh, stories and different point of views coming in and using visual effects to their advantage mm, definitely well no we're all we're all about original ideas i mean i mean I, okay barbie isn't uh <laughs> original, it is original. In, yeah in way it it is original. very much is original it may not be an original you know it may be based on a pre-existing product but you know there's plenty of originality in the story um, you know, you could say the same for Oppenheimer, as we talked about when we last spoke. It might be based on a real life character, but there's plenty of originality in the way it's told. So let's just hope, you know, it convinces the studios to bankroll this kind of stuff, because I think clearly the audience is out there for it. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm, I I hope you're right, because I'm I, I think everybody's dying for something new and a lot of what audience wants is based upon the social economic and even political stuff that's going on around them and they just tap into that and that's one of the reasons 70s you know post vietnam war uh, a lot of people were in distraught and a lot of sci-fi stuff came out that now we you know cherish as star wars jaws et and all that stuff and indiana jones and it did wonders so 
those things matter too. But listen, it's been it's been fantastic. Uh, I I can't wait for your book. Are you allowed to talk about the release date of the book, or do you know? I you know what I actually don't know what the release date okay. is because it won't be. I can tell you it won't be directly after the movie. Okay. Uh, I think probably it will be... tie in with the DVD, I guess. Yeah, or, or if it ends up on on, it may end up on Disney Plus. I'm not sure which platform it will go on, but yeah, that sort of that's more likely. So I, I'd say towards the end of the year is what I know at the moment. Um, the I think we talked about it before, but the Jurassic Park annotated script book, which Insight is also doing, I think that's been dated for november 27th i'm trying to remember that off the top of my head but that's sort of november time so yeah we should come back and talk about these things because they're they're exciting ones to for me to sort of spill the beans on but we can talk about the creator before it you know when when you we've both seen it and uh i think that would be great so um yeah we yeah um, i think that i think i'm seeing it on the week of september 18th at least that's what i'm told so whenever we do that are you seeing it around the same time i i, I haven't got a firm date i keep sort of harassing the Disney PRs in London to let me know, know. when they're sh when they're showing it. I think they have to wait until they they get the go ahead, but it will, I, I would imagine it will be around the same time. So uh, perfect. Well, looking forward to talking about that and many other things uh, in the near future. Very much. Enjoy your time in Copenhagen. Take care. You too in Venice. Bye bye. bye, -bye.